Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Friday, July 14th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of the book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, And if you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage the use of these tools, and secondarily because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. If you do that, it will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will then see that there, turn on your microphone, and announce you by your area code, and we can have a conversation. 
Alternatively, you can send us an email. You can email me at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. And you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And if you contact us through email, we will address your comment or question as it is appropriate on the show and then send you uh, the information as time allows as to the day and time that we discussed your email and your comments or questions so that you can listen back in the archive for the feedback. And um, as we've said on many occasions, we are greatly appreciative whenever anybody chooses to do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be of service And that's far easier to do when we know how these things are landing for you. What is it that we might share that helps you get a better understanding of and a better access to using these tools to improve the quality of your life? As I've mentioned on various occasions, there are at least two websites that whyagain.org website, W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N.org. And there's a separate website, mindshiftersacademy.org. And on the mindshiftersacademy.org website, you'll find the information for how to join the Mindshifter support groups on Tuesday and Thursday night. You'll also find some best-of audio files. You'll find some educational resources. You'll find a process for grief and loss. You'll find the recording of the worksheet, just the worksheet process recorded, and uh, a number of examples of people who've called in the Internet show and stepped through a worksheet process, so those can be used as a uh, kind of a teaching aid and a template for you as a tutorial to help you get maximum benefits from this tool. And um, so feel free to explore those and pass them along to others as you see fit. And give us feedback about how it's working. Um, Last night in the support group, we went into a a deep dive back into a, a Guy Finley uh, CD series from a couple decades ago, at least probably, and um, the title of that CD series is "Liberate Yourself," and the the hour-long audio, the the, the lecture that we listened to with Guy Finley was um it's one of my it remains one of my favorites to this day it's just chock full of stuff including some fun stories and um you know the the essence of his teachings uh some big core pieces of the essence of his teaching and um he he was clearly having fun you know telling the stories and explaining in 
in detail after the fact how to use the principles in the story, actively use them in your life to face the things in your life that you find challenging or uncomfortable because that's exactly where the most important lessons are for each and every one of us. And as we do that, then we open it up to conversation and discussion and we do our best to help people have an understanding of how to apply these specific concepts, observations, dynamics in your own life to make your own life better. So again, my gratitude to everyone who chooses to join us in those groups, whether it's Tuesday or Thursday, and my invitation to you, if you haven't joined us for one of those groups, to do so and or pass the information along to somebody else that you think might benefit. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, like area code eight two eight did, is this Magda? Yes, it is Magda. Hello, Doctor Tim. Welcome. Thank you. Um, I am um, calling today because I had a very interesting and somewhat. Um, well, I have some questions about the experience I had yesterday. Uh, I went to the dentist. I had um, a crown and another tooth work done. And in my history, and I think I may have talked with you about this before, um, as a kid, I wanted to save my parents money because I felt guilty about even having any cavities and having for them to have to pay for the dentist's work. So when I was offered numbing, I um, decided not to do that. And, and, and what happened then is I put up with the pain of the drilling. And so every time I went, I was in pain. And um, so I've done a lot of work on this over time and um, you know, including tapping and, and worksheets and so forth and um, I had some indications that I, I led me to think that I had really licked the, the trauma and, and dealt with it and those indicators were that I actually slept all the way through the night before and, and that was unusual. Usually I would spend um, the evening and then my sleeping time waking myself up because I was worried. So that was a big deal that I slept all the way through and slept very soundly. And then as um, Chuck drove me there, um, and, and I was very much aware that I didn't feel afraid. I didn't have fear. Uh, in my body that I was, um, I thought it was clear. And actually there were a couple of times I felt a little fear coming up, so I did a little bit of tapping. 
and it was no problem. I went into the office, fine, went through the the drilling part of the um, event, fine and dandy, and I thought, great, this is wonderful. And then as I waited for the uh, crown to be made, because they made it right there in the office, um, I found myself absolutely shaking. My arms were shaking. My hands were shaking. My whole body was trembling. And so I'm not sure. I, it seemed like I probably let go of something I'd been holding on to for all that 70 years. But I'm just wondering, do you have any recommendations about what I might do to make sure that I'm completely finished with it? Because I have to go back next week <laughs> for two more. Well, my, my, my first thought comes right at the end where you're saying, you know, how can I make sure I'm completely finished with this? The first thought that comes to me is, oh, boy, that's a trap. And we've talked about this on the Internet show a number of times before. If I think I'm going to do something, say something, do the perfect worksheet, etc., so that I'm completely done with my issue, any issue, pick any issue, that is a mistake and a trap in my experience. Right? Yeah. That means I view this thing we call enlightenment as a trip to a destination. And once I get there, I'm done. Now, I'm pausing here because I, I found myself within the past day or two in a session with somebody. It might have been in a support group or it might have been in an individual session, but talking about this, the insanity of thinking that simply because I've done you know, I've had people doing therapy on me since the early 80s. I have been a client or patient in therapy, various types, since the early 80s. And now, since encountering Dr. Michael Rice's work, you know, almost 20 years ago, I've been actively using it, teaching it, mm-hmm. running support groups. And, the, and it's how absurd it would be for me to think I'm not going to get triggered or I'm done with this issue or that, if I do that, especially if I'm in a therapy session, I become dangerous. Mm. Uh, This might have have blended in with some of the stuff from the Jonah Hill um, uh, sensational thing about, you know, using... Uh, therapy terms as a weapon against your partner or whatever, that's the kind of thing that can happen. right? If I think I've done my work on this issue, I'm clear about this, I can't get triggered, I become blind and I'm stumbling around in a minefield. So that's the first thing that comes to me. The next thing that comes to me is the idea that... Um, the guy that created EFT tapping, Gary Craig, he had one mm-hmm. of his more powerful DVDs where he had a gentleman there who had a, a serious water phobia. And, and the gentleman had come to work with 
Gary Craig because his children were now of a certain age and they wanted to, you know, go to water parks and, you know, play in pools and things like that. And this guy was missing out on it because he had just a terror of anything to do with water. So he went to Gary Craig and Gary got his consent to videotape the sessions and and so they worked from sitting fully dressed about a hundred yards away from a swimming pool and had a conversation and did rounds and rounds and rounds of tapping until they said, okay, are you ready to go uh, maybe go, you know, get in your swimsuit and go down near the pool and see what comes up and do more tapping? And they did that. And eventually this guy got to sit on the edge of the pool and started getting nervous and did more tapping. And then eventually he got to where they, they had to end the interview because he was diving under the water and swimming around and he wouldn't he wouldn't keep processing he just had to go in his <laughs> bliss enjoy the water and so yeah. in the debriefing for that Gary Craig said now please understand that this is a specific set of external conditions and stimulations that you're throwing these interpretations on and and to look at it it's this pool on this day after having done all of this tapping what if tomorrow or next week you go to a different pool it's a different shape or the bottom is a different color or there are different people there and you feel an energy come up it doesn't mean this didn't work it just means there's another level getting resonated you can tap Mm -hmm. on that what if you go to go swimming in a river and it's not as crystal clear and the water's moving and you might have anxiety come up? Tap mm-hmm. on that. What if you go swim in a lake? It's crystal clear, but it's big and it's deep. You might know, have anxiety come up. A different set of issues might get stirred up. That's the thought that came to me. Mm-hmm. It's a different part mm-hmm. of the procedure. It may be a different day of the week. It may be a different dentist. There may be different people in the waiting room. Any of those things could be used by the unconscious or subconscious part of your mind to stir Mm -hmm. up thoughts and associations that cause you to create a specific type of interpretation for that that resonates or creates an upsetting energy within you, this fear, sadness, panic, whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So those are my first two comments. Okay. Those are very, very good comments. Thank you. Um, And and the second one in particular, um, when you were saying that, what came to my mind is that before we started the procedure yesterday, I talked to the dentist and the assistant about what kind of numbing agents they would use, having done a little research after getting tipped off by someone else, that some of the um, uh, numbing agents have, um, have the ability to cause uh, arrhythmias. And I already have arrhythmias, and I already have 
atrial fibrillation. So that was something I, I wanted to avoid. And, um, and so they were um, giving me the advice that if I used the, um, the formula without the epinephrine in it, that it wouldn't last very long and I might start to feel pain. And that, of course, is exactly, um, I believe that that might have been what the shaking was, was about. There was still more procedure to go. I had to wait while they were making the crown. And uh, so I think I have a handle on something that, um, that came up for me. Um, and uh, that my interpretation brought up my fear. Um, okay, so I've got that. And, and what else? You were going to say something else when I interrupted you. No, not yet. Okay. I was just saying those were the first two things that came up. Yeah. And I think it's a really good thing to have those discussions with your doctor or anesthesiologist anytime you're going to have a procedure and talk about what your concerns are, what your other medical issues are, and alert them. Um, We Mm -hmm. can't cover all the bases, but it's always helpful to at least communicate freely about that stuff mm-hmm. and then of course you know the other thing to say is all of the above right do a little journaling analysis about what it is you think triggered this discomfort or negative emotion that you experienced and either journal about it and or put it on a worksheet and, you know, having, mm-hmm. having to whatever degree you can integrate this input that I just gave about any time I think I'm done with an issue, I just put blinders <laughs> on myself and I yeah. marched off into a minefield. Having done that, to whatever level you can integrate that, then start asking yourself to do the psychological autopsy of, okay, what was I using to generate this upset in this particular situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, if, it, if it comes out as simple as, well, why do I need to do a worksheet on this? I know what my thought is. My thought is I don't want to have pain. That's, <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to cancel the goal to have, to, to be comfortable and, why would I do that? Well, in this work, we want to remind ourselves and, and people who are new to it that we don't cancel a goal because it's a bad thing. Right. We And in canceling the goal to remain comfortable, we're not saying, I really want as much pain from this procedure as I can get. That's not how this works. We simply cancel the goal temporarily to open a keyway to the part of our mind that holds the actual energy that we're experiencing as this pain, fear, sadness, panic, whatever. So we can dismantle it. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Something else just came up. Um, 
I remember while I was shaking, I was I asked myself, okay, so what is my goal here? <laughs> I realized my goal was to be calm, relaxed, and perfectly trusting. So that's another thing that I can work on. Excellent. Okay. And and a good set of targets for a series of work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good start. Um, now, what did I just say? To be calm, relaxed, and trusting, right? Yep. But that, there must be something there because my brain immediately wanted to forget it. Oh, my goodness. Your brain wants what? Wanted to forget it. The fact that I didn't remember, you know. Um, Be calm, relaxed, and trusting. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is great. So I've got some writing to do and some feeling to feel. Ah, Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kim. Very, very, very good. Very helpful, as always. You're quite welcome and deserving. And thank you for giving us the chance to explore those issues. Indeed, yeah. I know that there is no one else in the world who has any fear of the dentist, so I'm sure it's, it was just for me. But uh... right, but you know, every <laughs> once in a while, we like to do you know, we like to do something just for one person, single them out. Right. So. <laughs> No one has ever had that issue before. Yeah. Just to prove the flexibility of the tool. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Wonderful. Well, um, thank you and many blessings. And I will listen to the rest of the show. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. I'll mute you. And thanks again for the call. Our number is 563-999-3581. My clock says we've got about 30 minutes left for comments, questions, answers, or testimonials, or suggestions about conversation for today or people I should interview for the On Your Mind podcast hosted by Journey's Dream or that I should have on the Mind Shifters radio show one of these days. Um, I don't have that much to report on... um, on the book about um, handling the deep negative emotions, but I hopefully will have some feedback on that um, starting next week. Healing Through Dark Emotions is the title of that book by Miriam Greenspan. And... um, Other books I'm currently working on include Introduction to Internal Family Systems, and I have yet to start the book by Suzanne Stabile, S-T-A-B-I-L-E, titled The Journey Toward Wholeness. But we'll report on those as seems appropriate moving forward. And um, 
yesterday was reading from the book Walk in the Physical by Christian Sundberg. And the last essay that I read there is quite a mind bender. And so I want to read it again. It's a relatively short one. It has to be a mind bender. We have to have our minds bent and stretched and sometimes ripped wide open by challenging everything we think we know if we're going to truly learn and expand our level of experience. And essay number 139 is titled, The Unrealness of Paradox. So, right there in the title, you know, brace yourself. This little piece of writing, this set of thoughts, is going to challenge you to question the possibility that everything you've ever thought was paradoxical or ironic isn't. And the essay reads, paradox happens when perspective is incomplete. Now, if that's true, then what the implication is, is when your perspective is complete, there is no paradox. The essay goes on and says, paradox only happens from the limited human perspective that occurs within the realm of form. In absolute truth, there is no paradox. There can't be any paradox. Because in absolute truth, all things occur in accordance with the purposeful and fully coherent movement of life. Now, if you think about what our hard science tells us, the physicists, the astronomers and physicists in our world, the best of our science today tells us that probably 80% of the universe exists at a level that we cannot measure it in any way. We can't see it. We don't have any instruments to measure it. We only have ways to see that there must be something there because of the effect on other energies, other light waves that we can measure and see. This is the idea of dark matter, the idea of a black hole. They're making guesses about a black hole. Why why don't they just tell us about a black hole? Because the word black in black hole means we can't see it. Light doesn't escape it. Their theory is that it is a, a point in space where matter has collected so intensely that it has 
generated a force of gravity that is so extreme that anything that gets close enough to it is sucked into it and crushed down nearly out of existence, including light waves and and particles, so that light waves and particles don't escape a black hole. So we can't see, in, in our terms, we can't see a black hole. Well, this comes back to the idea that I'm not really seeing anything I'm looking at. All that's happening is light waves are bouncing off of things, and if those light waves hit my eye, then my brain uses its past experience and a little bit of the information about what's hitting my eye to formulate a picture. So with the black hole, we can't do that because light doesn't bounce off a black hole. So dark matter, matter has weight and substance and gravity and light and and we have the spectrum of of light waves and and we can tell based on the frequency of the light bouncing off of something what it's made of etc all the knowledge we have all the buildings we built all the bridges all the cell phones all the rockets into space all the advanced technology and what our science tells us is we are only able to see and measure about 20% of the matter in the known universe. That doesn't mean that we can't see far enough. That means right here where we are, there is matter that we can't see and measure. There must be something else going on that we can't see and measure with our instruments because of what the effects it has on those things we can see and measure. So we have no idea what the actual truth of life is in this broader perspective, outside the range of our tiny little range of vision and hearing and intellectual capacity. So the truth that's being spoken about here in essay 139 when it says the unrealness of paradox and then it says paradox only happens when a perspective is incomplete paradox can only happen within a limited human perspective within the mind of a limited human perspective that occurs within the realm of form because in truth All things occur in accordance with the purposeful and fully coherent movement of life. This is like the lecture that Michael Singer gives where he talks about, let's go back to the Big Bang and let's track how every atom in everything you see, whether it's your body, somebody else's body, the floor, the ceiling, the trees, the sky, the ground, every atom in Everything you look at began at the Big Bang from an energy potential that was present in the Big Bang. And then it expanded out, and then all these, the the gravity happened and collected dust particles, and they got so massive that they collapsed into stars, and then stars went through their life cycle, and they burst, and they created new combinations of atoms 
that formed molecules, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what gave rise to everything you see, including your physical body. And it's all been unfolding in the process of life and creation expanding for 13.84 billion years, according to our scientists' best estimate today. And that's what's being referred to here in this essay. Everything is unfolding in accordance with the purposeful and fully coherent movement of life. It doesn't seem coherent, it doesn't seem purposeful, because we don't see all that's going on. There's a lot more going on here than we can see or know about. This essay goes on in the second paragraph. There's only three short paragraphs here. The second paragraph says, The laws of God, or life, or creation, or the world itself, including the laws that govern the operation of realities, these laws work perfectly and always, inexorably. They can't be changed. There is never a moment that is not governed by the perfect execution of these laws, the perfect unfolding of these laws, even within many, many levels of complexity and even within many, many different reality systems. When we view this unfolding of life from a local, limited, physical vantage point, it can appear to the philosophical, to the form-based, to the duality-conditioned mind that these two forms contradict, that there's a paradox. But this is only an error of belief in form when you believe that form is the fundamental truth of life, that's the error. In fact, the experience of apparently discrete form, like that desk is separate from me, if somebody else walks in this room, their body is separate from my body, that appearance of separation is false because everything is birthed from all that is, the flow of life, energy, mass, interactions of energy systems within energy systems within energy systems. The last paragraph here says, beyond the thinking mind, deeper parts of you are always connected to something greater. When you are willing to let go of the local human content and truly look within the depths of your consciousness itself, then the intellectual contradictions have a chance to fall away into the vastness of being. It's that same vastness of being within which they seem to arise. So when you quit judging and labeling and insisting that the view through your eyes is the only view, and you relax and soften and ask to be shown something else, you can get an experience that's vastly different than anything you can have when you rely exclusively on the five senses and exclusively operate from the philosophical belief that 
form your body, the chair, the desk, the car, the tree, the rabbit, that all of these things are fundamental. They are the essence of life. And they were the beginning that before there was form, there was nothing. There has been something, always. Essay 140 reads, Honoring the constraints of being physical. The essay says, The veil holds you fast, holds you tightly, so that you must face that which you otherwise would have simply escaped. You knew ahead of time that being held to the human experience had great value, and that's why you agreed to commit to it. So the invitation with this work is to honor your willingness to sign up for the constraints of the world in the physical realm. How do you do that? Because you surrender to them and allow them to work within you in the way they are intended. The world is not your enemy. The world is an in-your-face, rigorous context that provides an opportunity for you. That is true even when, and especially when, you don't want that context. Guy Finley says, the lessons we need to learn in life ride into our individual lives on the back of events we don't want. And he says, the the importance of any lesson for you in your life is directly proportional to how much you do not want the event that brings that lesson. The more you don't want a life event, the more important the lesson is for you in that life event or that rides in on the back of that event. This essay goes on and says, even if you do not remember it, you agreed to be bound in this way because you knew before coming into the physical that this type of apparently inescapable context would provide incredible experiential opportunity for the growth of what you are, your essence, and, and for the growth of what everything is. To have an experience of life, this is why Abraham Hicks says, you who are here in a physical body are at the cutting edge of creation. And that you knew that before you agreed to take on a physical body and you did it knowing that while in the physical, you would not like it and you would resist it and you would fight against it. And even that expands your experience and grows the potential of what is. The essay goes on and says, now that you are here, you have the valuable opportunity to consciously intend to use that opportunity for your own personal growth, to use that opportunity to choose 
only love, to choose to teach only love, to grow your intention toward love and away from fear. The essay goes on and says, Each of us is called by love, capital L, love, to meet our given present moment in any number of myriad ways. So there is not just one action or response that such an intent might potentially prompt. That being said, here are three general suggestions for your consideration. First, we can choose to say yes to any given experience. We can choose to release resistance when it comes up. We can follow wherever the circumstances lead rather than fight against them. We can allow ourselves to fully experience everything, including that energy we would call pain or interpret as pain. We can surrender to what is happening rather than fight it. We can give up our small picture control, which isn't really power anyway. That's the first way that we might use our life experience for personal and universal growth. The second way is we can let our life be our teacher. That is, we can intend to cooperate with the feedback of our own life experience. You might say to listen to and take full personal ownership of both the pain and the joy of our lives. We can choose to be willing to be wrong or weak or powerless. We can choose to swallow our pride and accept our failings. We can let joy lead us where it wants to. We can let ourselves grow up. The actual nature of our own life experience is a teacher of great fidelity. We can choose to actually cooperate with the process of learning the lessons that our life is working to teach us, cooperate with the process of learning that our life is working to teach us by listening to the feedback and taking ownerships of our life experience exactly as it is. The Way of Mastery talks about this several different ways, and we talked about this last year when we went through those teachings. Your life, your very life, is the perfect ashram for you to be in. So when you do your dishes in the morning, why not settle in and say, this is my life. This moment of dirty dishes is my life. And I'm going to live it to the fullest. I'm going to choose love in this moment. I'm going to choose to teach only love by being only love in this moment. This essay goes on and says, the third way that we might use our life experience to grow personally and universally is 
we can study how our own meanings and interpretations and our own story are affecting both ourselves and others. We can study that. We can ask, what am I making this situation mean every time I generate a negative emotion? We are assigning the meaning to the physical content in our lives. We, each of us individually, are assigning the meaning to the physical content of our lives. Nobody else does that for us. We might adapt or adopt a suggestion from somebody else, and yet each and every one of us is creating the meaning that we give the physical content in our lives. We can choose to pay close attention to how that meaning is playing out. In other words, we can take ownership of how our beliefs about ourselves and our world, about our beliefs about ourselves and our world, and the effect it's having on ourselves and others because of those beliefs. We are far more powerful than we generally understand. Our power for interpretation is great and far less limited than we might believe. So, Way of Mastery says the same thing when it says, all events are neutral and your thoughts about them are not. Your thoughts, your interpretations, your judgments are powerful creators of your life experience. The essay goes on and says, and part of the way we can honor the physical experience is by having the courage to actually acknowledge that experience for exactly what it is, just as it exists, before any interpretation is applied to it. And then by taking ownership for all of the many interpretations that we have subsequently placed on it and the effects of those interpretations, we grow. And the totality of life grows and has an experience. And we learn about the power to create our own experience that comes from the interpretations we place on each and every life event as it unfolds. The essay wraps up by saying, being physical is not always easy, but it is purposeful. When we choose to honor the physical experience by working with it, we allow it to fulfill that purpose. And that is a wonderful thing. Because despite all the apparent trauma and destruction, our universe is born from purposes of deep joy and love. And so when we work with it, we actually facilitate both our own joy and the fulfillment of the great love plans that are beyond our personal comprehension. You and I, as long as we are in form, will never comprehend the truth of life, the fullness of life. This is why in the way of mastery he says he is still he, Yeshua, he the author of that, he, J.M., whoever you want to think of it as, 
learned to say a long time ago and continues to say each new present moment, teach me about life. Teach me about love. Teach me about you, Creator. Each and every moment is another opportunity to say, I cancel my need to be right. I put away everything I think I want. I cancel my needs for the moment. And I ask to be shown by life, by love, by the Creator in this moment what's mine to do here. There is no way with my petty, small, very, very limited, useful but limited conscious logical mind, I will ever be able to understand life in its fullness. I can, however, create different interpretations and meanings for it, and I do that all the time, and that is actually the process that creates my experience of life. Will I acknowledge that that's what's happening? Will I, this is, you know, basically my choices in life come down to thinking I know everything I need to know and I'm just going to keep living my life the way I've been living it? Or am I going to choose to learn every day? Am I going to choose to be taught by life every day? And that's the invitation with this work, whether it's Course in Miracles or Way of Mastery, Michael Rice's teachings or Guy Finley's teachings or Michael Singer's teachings. They all have this awareness of each of us individually within ourselves creating our experience of life. And they all have in their teachings at their root. We can't tell you what the truth is. We can help point out the falsehoods, the falseness in different belief patterns and assumptions. But the truth can't be spoken. The Tao Te Ching says, the way that is the true way can't be spoken. It can't be named. And my conscious logical mind will rush in and say, okay, well then how do I do it and what do I do? And it, it might be useful here. I have a, a person I'm working with. It's a very, very bright, very competent person with a very traumatic childhood who has spent their entire life doing for others and trying to become indispensable to others. Primarily because she's operating from the false belief that you know was formulated in her abusive childhood that if she didn't find a way to make herself indispensable to others, they would leave her. She's had a lot of abandonment, and so she's you know being pushed by life circumstances to reevaluate 
and, and dig deep and do some serious work. And so she contacted me and said, okay, we have to have another session, and you have to help me because the more I do this work, the more I see there are blessings everywhere. The blessings in life are coming so fast, I can't keep track of them. I can't catch my breath. And she literally said to me, Tim, what do I do about all these blessings? And and in my calm breath, I took another one to get centered, and I said to her, the problem you're having is contained in the question you're asking. I said to her, have you ever been to a symphony orchestra? Yes. Have you ever been to a phenomenal play in, in, in one of the big cities? She said, yes. I said, at the end of that, that was a wonderful experience, did you then say, what am I going to do about this? She said, no, why? I said, because you just enjoyed it. You just became aware of it. You just accepted it as it was. You just had gratitude for it. You didn't feel like you had to go do something about the fact that the symphony was so marvelous or that there are marvelous symphony performances happening around the globe. And yet, when you become aware of a multitude of blessings that are expressing and unfolding in your life, which have always been there, but you're just becoming aware of them, all of a sudden, your I got to fix it, I got to figure it out, I got to stay in control mind says, what should I be doing about this? The next level of the analysis led her to realize that what she was doing was thinking from her old mindset, which said she had to be more valuable in certain specific ways to everyone in her life so that they needed her so that they wouldn't leave her. And so her mental math, her mental analysis was always, okay, if this person does a favor for me, I have to send them a gift card and I have to do three favors for them and I have to, I have to ingratiate myself this way and I have to compensate and outdo every blessing that comes into my life in the old mindset. I have to do something about a blessing as it shows up in my life. And that is going to take some work on her part to relax into, to release the old pattern of thinking that she has to outdo every blessing that comes to her. We will never outdo the blessings in life. We will never, but we can start to see where we might mistakenly assume that if we don't outdo the blessings that come for us and that life will reject us or people will uh, abandon us. So I looked up and realized I've talked all the way through the hour. Thank you for your comments and questions, Magda. I wish you all a lovely weekend. I remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false.
and I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tian. I hope you have a good weekend. Thanks. Same to you. Blessings. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio, and today is Friday, and it's July the 14th, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581, and press 1. That puts you in the queue for your show. And uh, we'll give Michael a moment to dial in. Just refreshed my computer to see what's going on. There's a big message that had been across the top that said private only, but it, it's letting me in this time. So hopefully we'll see if the chat room will work. And uh, we I don't have the recording yet for yesterday's um, uh, Hear My Voice Book Club. They went over Chapter 6 and... Uh, so hopefully, um, by the end of today anyway, I'll have that on the website where you can listen to that if you weren't there to participate. Tomorrow I just wrote her and I don't have it, haven't heard back from her yet, sweetie. Oh, okay. And tomorrow is Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing, and I believe that we have a couple of new people that are going to join us in that. And uh, so we ha- should have, it's still a small group, but uh, we're looking forward to uh having a good processing for the next two days. That's on the third Saturday and the third, well, the third Saturday and then the following Sunday of each month we do Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing. And that's been an awesome process. So if you're interested in participating in that. hmm? Yeah, third Saturday and Sunday, not the Saturday and then the following Sunday. Yeah, but sometimes the way that, well, except that, Sometimes the way the day falls in the month, um, the third Saturday should actually be like the fourth Sunday, depending on where the the day falls. But anyway. Um, so I'm saying we do the third Saturday and then the Sunday that goes with that Saturday. Yes. Uh, somebody might Correct. interpret it as the, the following Sunday. So that's what oh, okay. All righty. So... Uh, if you'd like to be part of that group, then drop me a line at G-J-E-A-N-I-E at org, and let me know and we'll get you registered. I've got a couple more people interested in perhaps participating in the codependence uh, self-study intensive, and that group is really growing, and so we're thankful for that too. And seeing a lot of uh, changes, a lot of you know the testimonials that are coming back from that is awesome. Anyway, I think that's all the announcements that I have. We have, um, I was just looking next Thursday, you'll be doing Course in Miracles with the book club. And that's on July the 20th. Yeah, we're going to do the lesson, What is the World, next Thursday. Okay. Awesome. One we refer to a lot. One of my favorites, one of the most important, one of the most powerful lessons from the course. And I think one of the most misunderstood. So that's what we're going to be doing next. Thursday at 3.30 in the afternoon, Eastern Time, 8.30 in London, England. So if you want to join us, look for the Zoom link under events under on yagain.org. 
And Jeannie's probably already put the link in the notes for today, so it's probably there too. Would that be correct, sweetie? I haven't yet, but I will. Oh, <laughs> okay. Cool. Awesome. Well, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up at this moment or anybody in the chat room with a question or any questions from the app? No, on all three areas. I thought it was awesome, the uh, story that Terry Bowling shared with us yesterday where where he was in a bank and got all upset and went over and sat down and put himself in time out out and pulled out the app on his phone and did a couple of worksheets. By the time he got the worksheet done, his problem was solved (laughs) externally. You know, one of those things people call miracles. It's pretty cool. Pretty sweet. We do have a hand just went up. Oh, great. Let's say hello. I believe it's Miss Susan, 610. You're on the air. It is. Welcome, young lady. (laughs) Thanks. How do you be? Well, I told um, pretty well. Um, I have... My my left wrist is uh, I have got to probably have some surgery on it because even the ability I have to use it is weakening. It, it turns out that when you have a plate put in a wrist, the tendons right. often start failing sometime later. It's been about six years. One of them has snapped, and I told you about that some weeks ago. I've been wearing right. a little bracelet I on it, just a cloth thing, but I can feel the weakness in it, and when I move a certain way, I can feel the other tendons kind of rubbing up or snapping against the metal plate. And if they go, I really am in trouble. I'm, I'd right. like to maybe go for, go, go for a cure maybe or at least have the plate out and have the other tendons okay. So that's right. neither here nor there. That's, um, I'm pretty peaceful about all that. I'm able to play enough piano to work on pieces I'm writing, and that's all that's been necessary so far. But I have a great. Well, we'll hold the space. The surgeon is on track. Thanks. If the right yeah, one well, is I there with the right team. skills and right mind to do the best possible, so you get the highest level of function possible. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah. Yeah. 100% recovery. I'll hold the space for. Thanks. Good. You know, that wake-up sheet I did with you, or or Tim, I forget who I did it with, but there was, I guess it was both of you. I was working for a couple of days, and, oh, I remember telling you about the refugee center, and you said, wow, there's energy there, meaning you're in a healing crisis and not sick, and... Got right. all this good blood back, and uh, everything looked good. So I, I still feel fine. I've got my energy back. But there have been other fruits. What you say about when you get another level of vitality? I had a conversation with Tim Bingham a week or so ago, and I said, Tim, you know, you've grown up in a household where you had people living with you, a governess, a cook. He had a big house. His 
mother's parents lived on an estate in Westchester, Connecticut, uh, New York, there was a whole different culture. It was perfectly normal to have people living with you. One was a an immigrant from Russia who was a governess for the kids, and one right. was a black black woman from the south who was a cook who functioned as a real mother to the children because Tim's mother was a perfectly fine mother, but she also had a career and was freed up to do a lot of writing during that time. So she had a lot of help. And I thought, well, you know, I've been fussing with our person who lives with us and maybe I've got the wrong mindset. So I said, Tim, I'm going to pretend that I'm used to this. (laughs) I'm used to having a man, our man. And I thought, well, if we actually make a deal with him that's more or less spoken, it's been happening anyway, um, let's change the setup. Let's say, all right, you're no longer a homeless person who's living in our basement and trying as best he can to not be noticed by anybody. I said, I want to have you be more of a member of the family. That doesn't mean we have to socialize. We're all introverts. And he said, yeah, I'm afraid I'm not up for much of that. But I said, if if you really become the help that you're already becoming, we may not have to leave this place to go to a, a an old people's home. And Tim Bingham's been dragging his feet about that. So Michael has taken on more jobs. And there's been a lot to do around here. Uh, and suddenly, my all the fussing I was about being angry at him for not doing much, I feel more powerful and entitled or empowered or whatever to, to say things like, but I just did a wash and I have no time. Can you hang it? He'll say yes. He always says yes. I say, the the front lawn's the neighbor has a power mower and he just comes from his lawn and just shoots across ours and does ours before we do it. We have a little hand mower and I have always done it myself. So we don't have that big of a piece of property. And Michael said, sure, I'll do that. Well, anyway, now I see him outside and he's weeding and he's watering and he's feeding birds and he's playing with the animals uh, who live here and, grand dog who lives here a lot and um the other day i had to do a a run for big bags of bird seed and i said could you come with me and do the heavy lifting he did and it's just a total different feeling in the house all from changing thinking which is the result of wake-up sheets well, my my take would be, is it a different feeling in the house or is it a different feeling inside of Susan's skin? That's true. It's because the piece of work that I saw you do, go ahead. Yeah. No, it, it, you're right. You can still say, that's okay. Well, my take is the piece of work that you did around that whole thing that you were projecting onto Michael, you thought had to do with Michael, your brain's putting it in, your brain's image of him was really the unresolved piece of work that you hadn't done with your sister from early childhood. And once that's gone, that's what creates Mm -hmm. the, you know, every time, my take is every time you interacted with Michael, uh, 
that came into the picture and became part of your mind's construct. You resolved that, yeah. you forgave that, you removed that, and so what's gone now? That feeling that was created, you know, how many decades ago that's been going on whenever somebody triggered it, and and so now a whole different creative possibility is there because there's that's no longer that projected like. block. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's 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 the fruit of the work. It is. Yeah, I remember they said to Yeshua, how do you tell where somebody's at? He says, you look at their fruit. What are the results you're producing? And if you do a piece of work yeah. like that and you see the change in your yeah. results, that's that's like, there it is. That's what it's all about. Yep. It's amazing how much energy is freed up and how many other issues can then, just what you say, your level of vitality is good enough now that you can handle things you couldn't deal with before. That's been happening. So, of course, other things have been presenting themselves, which need to be looked at. You mean you've been getting but more opportunities to learn forgiveness as a result? How cool is that? Yeah, well, yeah, right. Okay. Mm. So, well, the, remember, that, remember the part that goes into resistance and is unwilling, says, okay, I did that one, so now I should be finished. Yeah. There's, There's multiple times the benefit you're seeing out of that one piece of work when you handle all yeah. these other things that are going to surface. I mean, they're going to surface. They're there. The, the beauty, my, my invitation would be to create a, a different mindset around those things surfacing rather than being in resistance because literally mm-hmm. those energetic patterns that I'm in resistance to are stored somewhere in tissue and creating deterioration, things like weakness in a wrist, and, you know, it, it, I'll offer the possibility that whatever's going on physiologically in any part of your form, and we'll use the wrist as an example, that perhaps there's an underlying issue that if you let it surface and process through it, your wrist will properly restructure itself with no interference whatsoever. You know, I now, now the mind says, oh, oh, come on. My, my, oh, yeah, I mean, that right, piece is broken. It's missing. That can't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let but me go back about you, really 40 do. years ago. Let me go back about yeah. 40 years ago. Okay. Worked with a man in New York, and he had two Harrington rods in his spine. You remember with the Harrington rod? Uh, I think you've told this. Go ahead and tell it again. It's a great okay. example. Well, they're metal rod. I mean, they take a, I don't know what size, something like a 3-8 metal rod and put it in the spine. And, you know, somebody's spine is, you know, terribly deformed or what have you, and they put these metal rods in. And this yeah. fellow went in, and he did some serious, serious work. And it was a period of about five years, and he contacted me. He you know, we'd sort of lost touch, but he'd been con- continued doing his work. And he contacted me and said, uh, I had an x-ray done, and my Harrington rods are gone. Metal gone? rods in his spine were gone. Yeah. I don't remember this story. This is a different one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, the mind would say that's absolutely ridiculous. And yes, if you believe in matter and you believe in all the things we've been taught to believe that are lies, that's a ridiculous mm-hmm. thing. That can't happen. But if you realize that it's mm-hmm. all energy and that mm-hmm. there's an underlying power that creates the energy that we experience, 
and that given the, the, the proper level of energy, anything is transmutable, anything can be changed. Of course, if we buy into a certain limit, then, of course, that limit's going to be become our actuality. And humanity's bought into, I think, all kinds of limits that are just ridiculous. You know, there's a there's a case in Lourdes in France, you know, with the miraculous waters in Lourdes, uh, where there was a man who was medically diagnosed as having uh, cancer in his hip, and he literally didn't have a hip left. He just, his hip was gone. But he is a, was a man of faith, and he knew if he could get in those waters at Lourdes, he would heal. And he he was diagnosed in x-rays, and they put him in Lourdes, and he came out, and he had a hip. Wow. You know, the pattern, remembering that the pattern that is behind everything that expresses in the creation is what is behind the expression. The expression isn't the reality. The expression is just an energetic appearance or expression of that pattern. When we degrade the pattern, we, we think that it's normal to have somebody who, well, you know, they were young and healthy, and then they got older, and then they got cancer, and then their body fell apart and they died. We, we think that's just normal. But there's nothing... It's no different to believe that than to believe that we have somebody whose body is filled with cancer and uh, it, it reverses and becomes a healthy body again. There's no difference in those two principles. It's just which direction is the mind and the consciousness behind the tissue structure going. But they're the same thing. I mean, it's miraculous that somebody can have healthy tissue, blah, 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 and it becomes cancerous. Except we've yeah. been taught that's natural. It's not natural. It happens, mm. but it's not natural. Yeah. And when we wake up to who we are, my offering is, transmute, there, there, there's a, a basic principle of the universe, one of the basic laws of the universe, and it sounds a little strange, is the perpetual transmutation of radiant energy. You know, the energy radiates from the sun and it hits plant, and the plant transmutes that into chlorophyll. In the chlorophyll, you know, we eat it, and it literally the only difference between a blood molecule in a human form and a, a um, chlorophyll molecule is at the center of it, there's magnesium in one and there's uh, iron in the other. So we take the chlorophyll in and we transmute that into blood cells. It, it's a blood cleanser, blood purifier. It's all about radi- r- the transmutation of radiant energy. And the, the thing that humans haven't been taught is that we are the direct, we were given permission to originate and become directors of that process. And if somebody else, like we stand in front of somebody with the white coat that says, oh, you know, that's going to turn into a terrible ABC condition, if we buy into that, then being a transmutator of radiant energy, we produce that result. If we refuse, then we don't produce that result if we choose to do something different. Mm-hmm. And we've been taught all kinds of crazy things that, are, that appear to be limits and impossibilities that simply aren't. I once watched my son. He was about five, and he cut his hand. 
and he'd been taught normal, healthy all his life to brush the energy off that it had created, you know, pain or an injury. And at about five, mm-hmm. I mean, I saw the cut on his hand, and he did a normal, healthy, and I saw it heal. I watched it. So, you know, you know, trust in Alaha and tie your camel. Get the best doctor you can who can help you with that. And in the meantime, who knows what transmutation you might engage in. It's going to have to be something that I don't understand with my logical conscious mind. Yes. Yeah, we don't have to understand. In fact, trying to understand it, remember the number one pseudo-solution of the non-being mind is trying to figure it out. You can't mm-hmm. figure it out. All you need to do is direct it, or all you need to do is forgive it. Now, if the directions that are in you that say, no, 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 that can never happen, are bigger and stronger and a, a higher amplitude energy than the one that says, oh, I think maybe I'll try and do this, then, yeah, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But the the most profound and powerful resonating energy is what governs how the whole energy system is going to manifest. You know, we were given at creation of humans, and we're the only creature that we know of that can do this, the ability to originate something totally and completely new, something that's never been seen in the creation. You know, the wolf gets the intuitive hit that, oh, her den is in danger, there's going to be a flood, and she moves the the, uh, the uh, den up the riverbank, and people watch and go, wow, look at that, she knew a flood was coming, and two days later there was a big rain and there was a flood, and her puppies would have been dead. That's, that's yeah. the, the limit of that animal. But you won't see the wolf that says, oh, there's a flood coming. I think I'm going to create a sand, some sandbags and put sand in them and create a dam and create a safe space so the water can rise and we'll be safe here. Not going to happen. But we were given that ability. And some yeah. people want to run it and, and limit it in us. It's been limited and you know, disbelieved for centuries and eons and generations. So we know with our whole hearts this is impossible. To me, the idea of the work is to take all the things that we know with our hearts is not possible and get rid of the ones that might not be true and replace them with possibility. What could I originate here? What energy could I bring into the creation that will restructure this? And what do I need to deal with if if the uh, the disintegrative structure is based in a dis-ease energy? What do I need to deal with? What do I need to process, access, and pull out of the system and throw away so that the new possibility can can become the predominant resonant energy and take over the creation process in my body or in my world? That's what Louise Hay did, in a way. She would say, if you have weakness here, it might be because of this, and fix this, or put your mind to admitting that there's another possibility here. Like, I had trouble in that arm once, and I read that having trouble with your left arm had to do with taking on too many responsibilities. And I thought, well, any any woman in our society could probably say, yeah, I have too many responsibilities, right? <laughs> Done more than needed. Men, too. <laughs> Men, too, yeah. There's too much. So, you know, Each but in our own I way. Never, gosh, I just, I, 
All right. What I can do is say it is possible that this could heal on its own and that my hand is okay. Are those things I could say? I mean, I need it. I like. I feel like in kindergarten. I need some words or something. Well, you know, for me, and and you listen to Yeshua, who, if you if you go back to the creation story, the creation was spoke into existence. Yeshua says the power of life and death is in our words. So if I speak yeah. words of life over something, and there's a possibility, life is going to move forward and take over that possibility and express. If I speak words of death and destruction over it, then death and destruction is going to take mm-hmm. over well, I That's can why, you know, that. for instance, with, with Aria Rain, you know, Jeannie's talked about the last few weeks. She introduced her just a few weeks ago to the concept of canceling a thought. And now Aria Rain is all about canceling any. I mean, she catches us when we say things. It's, oh, cancel that, Papa. Oh, yes, you're right, Aria. <laughs> That's good. So, That's... you know, what, are we, what have we been taught? What have we been told? What limits have we had put on? And... You know, maybe some of them are are real. Maybe I can't fly. I hold the possibility that one day I'll be able to overcome gravity and take off into space if I choose to. It doesn't mean I have to. It doesn't mean I can. But if I can hold the possibility, then if the possibility is a fact, then I'm going to be able to do it. So I look at Mm -hmm. the possibility that, well, maybe this plate in my hand is helpful or not at this point. So I'm willing to be guided as to what it is, and maybe I can energetically adapt to or adjust the plate to make my hand more whole and healthy. Or if necessary, maybe I can, you know, transmute the energy of this plate so the destructive parts of it disappear from my body, literally disappear. Or maybe I take an easier route and I have the surgeon take it out. But I'm, I'm, you know, just hold the possibility. What, what if the possibility is that every morning when I wake up, I wake up with the breath and realize that love is flowing through every cell of my structure and expresses in every relationship and every interaction that I have with every person that I have interaction with? What if I hold that as a possibility rather than, you know, I came up with generations who believed that, well, you know, there's going to be some trouble and there's going to be some drama and there's going to be a struggle and, you know, it's going yeah. to be tough, but it's going to be too many mm-hmm. responsibilities and too much work and too hard. Okay. Well, if I hold yeah. those words either unconsciously mm-hmm. or speak them from my unconscious into existence, then there's where I'm going to end up living. Yeah. So for me, my... I would rather go, you know, some people look at me and say, yeah, you're going to fly right, Michael. Okay. I would rather err on the side of what are the possibilities than err on the side of limiting the possibilities. You know, I doubt I'm going to be flying anytime soon, but I hold the space for it. But if I absolutely (laughs) say with that or anything, well, I couldn't possibly do that, then now I know I can't or I'm not likely to. I'll That's keep an eye out. For me, Head for Pennsylvania. Is. Yeah. If you take off. Head for Pennsylvania. I'll keep an eye out. Okay. Wouldn't that be a sight? <laughs> Airborne Michael <laughs> Wright. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. if I get up there, it'll probably be by airplane. It's uh, anytime yeah. soon. 
You know, it's not right. something I'm working on. I'm just taking an ex- extreme example, oh, and you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the guy who uh, who literally went into the waters at Lourdes without a hip and came came out of the waters medically verified, coming out of the waters with a fully formed, perfect hip. Wow. What possibilities did he need to engage in? Yeah. And what limits? You know, and. You know, we don't have to get ridiculous. I don't have to say, oh, I could get up on the top of that bridge and jump and fly. And I, I don't have to do something silly with it. But if, if yeah. I keep widening my horizons of possibilities, maybe I'll bump into an edge that I can't go past or that we're not designed to go mm-hmm. past. And, and then, fine, I'll, I'll just, you know, honor that edge. But until then, why put limits on our ability to originate something new in the creation? Good, good thought. Just a good thought. And uh. when you take the words and then add the visual, you know, there's another principle in the scriptures that talks about, you know, for a lack of vision, my people have perished. So the other aspect of it is, is we have the ability to visualize, and there's a lot of research been done in the arena of cancer. Oh, I've got a television on in front of me, and it, it circles pictures, and I've got a picture just came up on the uh, on the screen of our intensive in 2019 with your sweet face and Tim and Ari and sitting in front of the wow. stone uh, bell tower. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So so let's open possibilities and honor anything we bump into that limits them. And, and if there are ways that, like, you know, you have a top-notch surgeon that can assist you with this, great. You know, what a gift. Yeah. Bring it all together. It would. Mm. So I had, I've had a couple of questions about Jacob. Um, mm-hmm. Jacob wrote me a long text and said, in fact, I should read it to you. He said, okay. I've been thinking about this a lot, and it would be wonderful if Bella, who is this young woman he lives with in his apartment, and that's a whole story. She's a woman, I swear, he says she's on the spectrum, but he she gets him. And he doesn't mm-hmm. like to be seen in public with her because she's overweight and not beautiful. I've seen pictures of her. She looks perfectly nice. She's heavy, but a lot of people are heavy these days. Anyway, she really gets him, and she doesn't mind the absolute squalor he lives in. She cat sits for him when he's away. She's a fellow student. She has made no plans for after she graduates, just the way he hasn't. And he often says things like, well, Bella's parents are onto her case, too, because she's not making any plans either. And so, you know, there's that whole side. But anyway, I'll get back to the text. Bella and I could move into your house and live with Michael if you move into assisted living. I know that's a lot to ask, but it's a do- it's, it is doable, I think, and I would really, it would really help us to pursue our artistic lives we could take care of both cats, too. And my first thought, of course, was, well, he wants to be subsidized totally in, you know. But I thought the only way to be with Jacob is is to find a loving way to be with him. And I thought that was a cool idea. 
but it's he has no idea of how expensive it is to live in a place this is a this is not a cheap area of town our taxes are high and um there are a lot of steps in maintaining a house and michael is taking over a lot of that can i read you what i answered him and maybe sure, you might be able to find some some glitches <laughs> I totally love the idea about the house, Jake. There are some serious challenges with doing this, though. First, Michael's status has changed. He is now an official member of the household. And in exchange, and this is in exchange for living free of charge, he is doing serious housework, such as mowing, watering, plantings in front and back, maintaining the vegetable garden, washing windows, Killing big bird feeders that empty fast, shoveling in winter, helping with animals, and house-sitting for both cats and dogs when we are away. He's willing to do errands, such as get groceries. He's not getting any gigs, however, and I wonder if we are enabling him to not be the musician that he really is. I worry about his spirits, but that is beside the point. In addition to all the maintenance and upkeep of a house, you have the cost. Taxes are around 7000 a year. Utilities around 200 a month. Wi-Fi and phone around 180 a month, and that's partly because Michael's here. Because Michael has taken on the chores, we feel no emergency for going to an old people's home. Plus, we still have two cats who are really not transferable. The cost of living at the old people's home amounts to about the same as what we would be spending here if we stayed here. We would not want to double our expenses to cover your living at this house. In other words, you would have to have a job of some sort, and I know you want to do that anyway. Luckily, we have another year to get some things figured out. I do think the idea of your living with with Bella is wonderful, as you could have the companionship and share expenses. That's the kind of thinking we need to be doing. That's all I said. Well, my the only thought that you know comes to me to add to it is that perhaps a thought along the lines of, and I'm not ready to leave my home yet. I'm I'm yeah, well, envision that I'm you know yeah. able to stay here. Right. Yeah. Well, we I said it in maybe not directly enough, but with Michael here helping us, I said, Michael, you're our man now. We have a man. We have a man in the house helping with stuff and he said good I'll help and so um, I, I hope Jacob would get the picture that we're not in any rush to get out of right. here and we have said to Michael please keep your applications in for subsidized housing we don't know what's going to happen to us and we don't want to put you out on the street again so if you get right. a living situation you can manage you better take it we're not you know, it's just that promising something sure per- permanent, right? Yeah. yeah, for himself because he's ten years younger than we are, and ten years is a lot at this age. He has much more. You know, he's stronger. Can he's big? He can lift stuff. Um, that's one thing about Jake. And did you want to say something? You made a grunt. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
you have signals. <laughs> when Jeannie's reading, she'll say, what? Yes. <laughs> it's because you went, whoa, <laughs> or something. Anyway, the other thing is, a kind of a miracle has happened, and I don't know what's going to happen when Jacob gets home, but a longtime friend of my daughter invited Jacob to go with him and his wife and his small children. It's a second marriage, and he has very young children, even though he's in his 50s. And invite Jacob to a place on the shore in Ontario for a week. Jacob was terrified. He's agoraphobic because of who he is, and also the pandemic helped with him staying isolated. He almost didn't go, and his mother said, you go, I'll pay for the plane, you go and get Bella to do the kitty. You're going to love it. And he dared to do it. And he's been posting pictures on Facebook. If you look up Jacob Moorhead, M-O-O-R-E-H-E-A-D, you'll see a picture of a skinny bearded guy with little children and with some adults around on the shore. They're the most joyful pictures of him catching fish. Oh, that's sweet. I know it, and he wrote a birthday song for one of the little girls who had a birthday, and it's on there. Um, I'm sure he has his feelings about it because it was tossed off pretty fast. But in any case, he has seen something about what life could be like for him that he hasn't, I don't think he's ever had that. And the result is twofold. He has seen that, and he's been so horrible to his mother weird thing happened. He texted his mother, but he texted me at the same time. And I don't think he meant to have two people receiving the text. You know how that can work? You put two addresses on. In any case, I was getting these private texts between him and his mother. And of course, I was reading, so I thought I was supposed to be getting them. And then it occurred to me, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be reading these. These, He didn't mean for me to see these, but I got a glimpse of the same harshness that you saw, really mean, nasty texts about how these parents up here on the shore are so good to their kids. They do this, they do that, and they do the other. You never did that for us. You were a terrible mother. You're a narcissist, and you should be ashamed. And going after her, and I'm reading this, and I'm texting her separately and saying, Kathy, you are a wonderful mother. I saw you. I know what you did, and you were dealing with an abusive husband. Don't take this personally. She writes back, Mom, I get these all the time. This is nothing new. So here's this discrepancy here with this young man, and I'm just telling you, I'm not even, I mean, you might have a thought, but I have no thought. I just think, who are we going to get when we get him back to his apartment? Which Jacob is it going to be? Well, my offering would be, seeing as how he made you privy to those texts, is maybe that's his unconscious way of it. He knows his mother's not going to confront him. Uh, perhaps it's his, it's his unconscious way of inviting you to step up to the plate and hold him accountable. Well, to really start to look at his behavior that mm-hmm. he hides from you. He's shown it to you and pointed at you previously, and you seem to have worked through a lot of that with him, but just to let him know that you know what's going on, and he needs to to wake up and start to be accountable. 
you know, the, mm-hmm. the kind of viciousness that he's putting on his mother is the viciousness he does. It's his projection. Mm-hmm. So perhaps Absolutely. you can open the space with him to start to see that it's his projection. It's like, you know, maybe my thought would be what I'd be tempted to do if I were in your shoes is I'd make a copy of that text and I'd put it in the body of an email or a text to him saying, you know, you talk about all the things your mother's done. Son, take a look at what you're doing here to your mother. Yeah. Is it possible, maybe do some explanation of projection, is it possible that this is all your projection and it never happened? And maybe get him to start to question his, his own perception because, you know, it sounds like he lives in a world of these constructs in his mind, and he thinks that the constructs in his mind are representative of what's actually happening in the world. And they are not, you know, from what you're saying, rarely are they representative of what's happening in the world, but they are representative of what's happening inside of himself. And someday he's got to wake up. If his life is ever going to change, if he's not going to just live this whole scenario his whole life, he's got to realize this is a construct of my mind based in my viciousness and I project my viciousness onto everyone else and from what I hear you know I I understand that he had a power person dad that had that kind of viciousness but from what I've heard about your daughter uh, it's like she didn't sound like she has a vicious bone in her body no she and somewhere he's going to have to get a teacher that can take him into that understanding hmm Maybe you're it. I see. Maybe this is your next assignment. Maybe. If I say it's projection, I think what I've got to do is that's a heavy load for him to accept. It's like saying it isn't really true. What I might say is do you realize you're beating up your mother the way you used to see your brother get beaten up? He didn't get beaten up. He hid, and he's still hiding. But he saw Luke get shredded on a regular basis and Luke got bloodied when right. he would fight back. So if I Yo. say, you're acting just like your dad, you really have to do it this way? If you're mad at your mom for not protecting you, amen, maybe she didn't. She was terrified and she also was the head breadwinner and away from the house 12 hours a day, many days as a priest with a, of a cathedral. She was, couldn't be there the way regular mothers could and your dad liked that he wanted her to be the breadwinner and she was and she couldn't she didn't even know what was going on in the house a lot of the time and when she did she was terrified of her husband anyway never stood up to him until she left so so i think i could state those things structuring an interaction with him where he could build the brain cells to to begin to suspect that that might be true would probably be one of the biggest gifts he could get in his life. Wow. And it sounds like okay. he opened the door for you to give it to him. And you've been doing the work well, that is, to, to have the skill set to give it to him. Yeah. All right. I never thought that the text would be useful in this way, but it's true. I got them. They are open season. Yeah. And he may come up with, you know, some kind of a, well, it was an accident, so we're not going to talk about that. And it's like, well, it may have been an accident, but the fact is you sent it to me, and we're going to talk about it. 
because you need to become accountable for the kind of viciousness that you put out into the world. Son, you have a very vicious mouth. Do you get that? And you blame everybody else for their viciousness, and you expect them to be different, but you're not putting any effort into being any different yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at what point do we start to wake up and function as human beings? And, you know, perhaps That's part true. of that conversation is to acknowledge him as love, you know, recognizing mm-hmm. who he is. And, yeah, there's been aberrant experiences and there are aberrant behaviors and there are generational patterns. Yes. And someday you've got to wake up and become accountable. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. where I take it. And, and it okay. could be the gift that changes a young man's life, turns it totally and completely around. Especially where, yeah. you know, he's he's taken this vacation up on the shore yeah. with his family, and he's seen a different possibility than what his mind projects. Now to realize that that possibility, number one, could be his, and number two, maybe was his, but his projection prevented him from experiencing it. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I've got my marching orders. That's a, that'll be a big piece of work. That'll be a big piece it of work will. to do with him, and, and it could be the gift of his life, of his whole, I mean, literally of his whole existence. Well, that kind of trolling of his mother is really pretty horrific. It is. Yeah. And I'm sure mom had her faults and wasn't perfect, but, you know, again, the the sense I get of her is nothing like that has ever passed between her and her son. But he's projected it. He's experienced it passing between them, but because of his projection, not because of the actuality. Yeah. And, you know, you've got a whole cadre of tools, and there's a point where he's, he's going to have to take some tools on her. His whole life is going to be pretty darn miserable. Yeah, that's true. That is so true. All right, Michael. Well, I've sure sort of gotten a huge amount out of you already again today. Well, I hold the space for your guidance and any piece of work that you have to do. You know, he being a, uh, a descendant and having the same generational patterns that have come from you through your side of the family, it'll probably open up some new work for you to do, to have to work through within your own genes in order to get rid of projections that would inhibit you from doing that kind or having that kind of interaction with him. So it'll probably be a major gift to you as well. I have to develop a spine because he's really scary when he gets like his dad and I'm yeah. not as strong well, he's, as I... You said a good model. The other, yeah. thought, the other thought I have is that you, you make a deal with him 
to watch. You know, we've got a, a relatively new three-hour. Why is this happening to me again? Make some uh-huh. kind of a deal with him to watch that and to verify that he's actually watched it with some uh, modicum of of um, interaction with it. Ask him to write you uh, an essay on it to a synopsis of why is this happening to me again. It's a three-hour video. If you haven't got the link, I'll be glad to send it to you. And, uh, you know, that will help him build some brain cells. And I don't know, maybe make a deal with him. There's something he wants. There's a gift you'll get him or, you know, bribe him or pay him for it. You know, I want to pay you for three hours of your time. Or maybe that's not wise because that's been an issue in the past and, you know, or, or... Anyway, just just a thought that that because it, it's going to be difficult for him to hear some of these principles coming from you with the history he's had with yeah. you and the projection he's done with you. A lot of a lot of those projections, a lot like with his mom. So yeah. you know, coming in from a totally third party place, that three hour Y workshop is pretty concise and it came together, you know, pretty powerfully. And anybody who's listening, if you want a copy of it, it's on our website. It's uh, You can go to our YouTube channel and uh, look at why is this happening to me again. And uh, it's there. It's a freebie. All right. So. That's an, that's a, yeah. That's that's going to be a hard one to sell. But I'll, you know, among the other things. Uh, well, maybe that's a thought. That's a thought. And, of course, you could yeah, enter it with that thought in mind, and it'll be hard. Or it <laughs> yeah. could be, gee, gee, that would be one of the nicest and easiest gifts I could possibly give him, and I bet he'd really appreciate it. Might create yeah. a different result. Might, yeah. Ooh. Remember that one of your challenges is to to bring new possibilities into a genetic structure that is hardened against some of those possibilities. That is very true. Yeah. And so the first place to crack through it is your own genetics, your own your own mindset of it, your own assumptions and presumptions. And you know, your to me this conversation is going to be such a gift to so many people, those who are listening and or those who listen in the future, because this kind of, of issue is so huge in our culture. It I mean, is. It's just, and, and not necessarily, you know, grandmother to grandson, but just family issues like this, that people's minds are just so blocked against seeing possibilities and assuming, you know, because there was trauma, the trauma is always going to be there. And I would yeah. work from the point of view within myself of recognizing that all of the traumas that have gone down with Jacob, with Luke, are resolvable. And mm-hmm. I'm guided and I know how to resolve them. In fact, that might be a good mind shifter to work with. How about a mind shifter? All right. Every family trauma... Okay. Every family trauma that I have gone through mm-hmm. 
and bought into in this family system is now resolvable okay. through the acts of love that come from my being. Okay. Wow. Michael, I just went up on YouTube, and there's a very young Michael Rice with his hands very expressively in your mouth pouting because you're saying something important. And it looks like eight videos. You want him to listen to all those, right? No, actually there's one three-hour video link called Why Is This Happening oh. to Me Again? Okay, I, I did that. Okay, wait a minute. Uh, Another way that you can find it, if you go to our website, I've put it under schedule just so that it would be another place where you could find it. If you go under schedule, there's one that says free three-hour, why is this happening to me again? Okay. Okay. I think that eight-part thing might be something from A Course in Miracles. I'm not sure. Well, it's... Entitled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? But um, various incarnations of Michael Rice. <laughs> it's fun to scroll down. See a young, bearded, skinny guy and a, an older guy with all sorts of gray hair and a, and a Hawaiian shirt on. And you're <laughs> Well, I, I do put gray in my hair now so I look a little more sophisticated. I understand. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Nice. Okay, thank you. I look back at some of those videos at that skinny guy with the beard. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it is funny. Well, we all have those, you know. It's just that yours are right out there because you're... You're spreading your word. You don't get to hide in some old family album. You're just right out there. No. Yeah, some of those videos are over 40 years old, so been going on for a while. But this, yep. the one that I'm talking about is is one I did less than a year ago. So it's kind of the yeah. one of the latest iterations of why is this happening to me again. I think it's pretty concise and precise and will lay some foundation brain cells for him if you can just Mm -hmm. get him to write you a report on it so you verify who's actually interacted with him seriously. Maybe invite him and his girlfriend to listen to it. And, you know, I don't know what the incentive might be, but... Yeah, you were were just saying what I was asking is what's the incentive. It is going to be some kind of monetary bribe thing. Nothing else... I mean, maybe it's a new guitar or, you know. Well, my other thought would be rather than to make it a um, monetary bribe, because that's something that he's tried to force you to do previously, is I'd stay away from that. But but it might be more of just a straight-up business deal. There's something I want you to understand, and I want to verify that you understand it, so I want to hire you to do this, to, to watch this and write a report on it for me. I'll, I'll, I'll literally give you a job, 
of doing this. And then it's just oh, a straight wow. up business deal. It's not the, well, Grandma, remember the last time you gave me money when I wanted to? No, it's just, this is a, I, I, maybe a way to do this to stay out of the mess where he tries to shame you into giving him more would be just, here's something that I want from you. And I'm willing yeah. to pay you to do it. I'm willing to hire you to do this job that I want done. And what I want is a, a detailed report that shows that you understand this three-hour video. That might okay. be a lot cleaner than, you know, yeah. if you bribe him, then the next time he wants something from you, he's going to say, well, you know, we're back right. to that old game so, of Michael, trying to force you to pay him. Right. I wonder, this is really asking too much for you to say, but I can picture him saying, okay, I want $5,000. Well, I, I don't want to do that much. No. But I have no, no idea I, how much. Well, my thought would be you're doing something for his benefit, and, you know, if you're going to hire him to do a book report on a three-hour video, I'd think, you know, I have a job I want you to do. I'm willing to pay you $100 for it. Would you be willing to do it? It'll probably take you maybe five or six hours. Yeah. Seven hours, 15 cool. bucks an hour. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave it in his, how much do you want? I'd just say, here's a job <laughs> I'm willing to offer you, and I'm willing to pay you for it. And yeah, you know, 100 bucks. Okay. Excellent. And if he wants the hundred dollars, then you know, puts an extra hundred dollars in his pocket, and gives him maybe the gift of his life as you process through that with him. Oh yeah. Wow, great ideas. Thank you. Yeah, and I'd well, make it clear that the job is to me. produce a book report. The the um, is to produce a book report that reflects that you understand this. That's the job. By the way, the mind shift okay. that I just gave you, I yeah. wasn't in a place where I could write it down. If you wouldn't mind, would you text it back to me? I want to use that. Okay. And I'm going to or say maybe it's not it. much of a mind shift for me. It's very good, but I have no arguments against it. So it's more like an good. affirmation. Cool. I join you okay. in affirming it. Awesome. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate you and your willingness, the work you're doing, what you're confronting and moving through as a, a shining example for everybody. So thank you. Deep appreciation. Thank you, too. You get a little men momentum and you get the rewards, and then you're really off and running. So everybody out there who's ever listening, do them, do them, do them. Shift Rock happen, and roll. No matter how you're kicking and screaming. It will help. Okay. That's <laughs> the idea. Okay. I'll All right, and, the, and then I could right I could visualize that. perhaps, and I could visualize perhaps then picking out one of let's say maybe from the um, book study club where I did a video worksheet with somebody. So maybe the next oh, yeah. job would be that he watches and produces, you know, ten worksheets that shows he understands the worksheet. That might Great. be the next one in line. All right. 
So, because there, I think there are at least five or six different videos where we did, and they're anywhere from maybe an hour and a half to two hours where we walk somebody through detailed with questions and answers the whole worksheet process okay. on video. We you know, right. of course, we got lots of them on the radio show, but on video would be perhaps another another People step in the process of yeah. supporting him. Excellent. All right, young lady. Well, it's going to cut us off in just a few seconds. So, everybody, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Susan. We appreciate you. Blessings. Bye-bye.